day to all of you listening to us, wherever you might be listening. Along with Adrian Broaditz, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You heard the call a moment ago on SportsCenter. Mondo the Monster Medina's voice cracked like three different times during that. In fact, let's listen to it again. I want to figure out exactly how many different pitch levels when Jazzy on Jackson hit the shot that Mondo's voice in his excitement, how many different pitch levels did Mondo experience? So let's play this again. And I, I counted two or three. Let's see if I'm right here. Gets it to leap at top of the key. Drives. Jackson. Three at the buzzer. And she makes it! I think she at least I think at least two. At least two, if not three. I mean, that is a broadcast announcer's dream come true. Let's be honest. You knock off a nationally ranked team. You get a game-winning buzzer beater. You're all over social media. You're screaming so much that your voice does not hold up to normal levels. It doesn't. Hey, can we get Mondo on the show real quick and find out if he can identify how many different uh, pitches his voice went during that right, last I'm call? It. I'm on it. I right, please. I, I want to get Mondo on the show because um, you know he is the uh, he's the voice of of the women's basketball team. He's only doing home games, by the way, this year. Not no road games, just home games. Um, and you know he probably could tell us if uh, you know if his voice was um, it, it, two different levels, three different levels. Um, what else we're talking about here. So, yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to find that out, and hopefully he'll get a chance to uh, to pick up. Now, uh, we didn't warn him that we're going to start the show like this or that we were going to start with him. So there's a chance he's not around. He's not, as, he's not as available as he used to be. So, you know what? If you can't get him, we can't get him. Shoot him a text. Have him call the hotline, and maybe we can find out sometime during the next few hours, which – would be great, and hopefully uh, that'll be the case as we kick things off here on our Friday edition of the program. So, yeah, let's shoot uh, Mondo a text, and then maybe he can just call into the hotline and, and, and we can find out. Because I, I am interested, like you, to know, um, you know how, many different, uh, how, how many different cracks did his voice have when he was screaming during that call. Great call. Loved it. Heard it live. I was actually – I had – the women on my phone, and I had the men on my living room television last night to have the best of both worlds, and I just loved the call, and I reached out to him immediately afterwards and told him, I said, That's, that, was, that was a fun, fun last-second call, and uh, I enjoyed that. So we will see exactly what happens um, when we hopefully get a chance to hear from Mondo the Monster Medina. Now, also very interesting was UTEP Zay's te- a tweet last night. So apparently, there were some Middle Tennessee assistants that said something to head coach Kevin Baker who had to be restrained after the game. Now, I have said it before, and I'll say it again, that Middle Tennessee's coaching staff, um, led by Rick Ensel, who's done an amazing job ever since he took the job, was a high school legend who transitioned into college coaching. They are on one of the greatest ego trips I've ever seen for a coaching staff. I mean, to them, it's like uh, you, 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 you see them and you feel like it's Gino Ariema. 
and staff. That's the way they've always been since day one. And because of that, they are not the most likable of coaches. They're just not. If there was ever a team I wanted to see UTEP beat you know, in the 20-plus years that I've been uh, you know, doing games since I started with Keitha, like her second or third year in El Paso, it's always been Middle Tennessee. Always. I can't stand that. And I feel bad for the, for the team because, hey, great girls, very talented. They were what, 19th in the country or 21st in the country, whatever they were. They had the uh, 16-game winning streak. Um, and it was UTEP's first win over a nationally ranked opponent in, what, 25 years. How about that? 98. 25 years the last time that's happened. So, Adrian, this is a big deal last night. Really big deal. And if Zay's going to be dropping in later, I want to find out what was said that sparked all the craziness. So, uh, you know, very interesting last night, uh, Steve. After after the men's game on Minor Talk, we led with women's basketball. We had more tweets, more calls about women's basketball last night. So we just, uh, you know, kind of decided to convert it because I get it. Look, the the men's team right now, they are just, uh, you know, they're not playing to the expectations that a lot of fans had uh, going into this year following a 20-game win season. Now, I, whether that's fair or not, I would say that's probably unfair knowing that they, they lost the majority of – last year's roster and it's a a completely new roster here with Joe Golding but nonetheless uh, the attention last night was all about women's basketball Mm -hmm. Zay called in last night was uh, giving the detail giving the lowdown about the altercation that happened and he just pretty much said that something was said by that coaching staff that set Baker off and yeah he had to be where he was at where where Zay from Zay's vantage point he had um, he saw coach Baker having to pretty much be uh, restrained it got kind of fiery between mm. the two coaching staffs. So yeah. interesting. So yes. interesting. All right. Well, I'm not exactly sure um, what happened, but um, maybe Zay will – will Zay have information on exactly uh, what was said? I hope he does. No, he did not. Last night he didn't he, – he couldn't hear what was actually said. Now, he did tell us, though, that, that uh, obviously something set him off. Like they sure. Were, it, it looked like they were talking um, really loudly, and I, I don't know what ended up happening, like what was actually said. Okay. All right. That's what I was wondering. So Zay will not will not know. I wish he would. Man, I wish we could find out from Zay what's going on. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's also really interesting to know that these two teams are just firing at each other like this. There's a little rivalry there going is. on between uh, Middle Tennessee and uh, UTEP, and I, I don't think Kevin Baker shied away from that in his coaching. Uh, you know, in his coaches' show this past week, he was talking about this Middle Tennessee team. But I mean, for well, this women's basketball team to do it with six inactive players—that's amazing. Six on the on the floor that you're pretty much rotating. I know they had a couple others, but yeah, uh, but you basically, six, but you basically played six six ladies and beat a nationally ranked team. That's exactly. that's pretty huge. Um, so I saw something really interesting yesterday. After the game, Ensel, the head coach of Middle Tennessee, was like congratulating every minor, like doing little high yeah, fives and this. stuff like that. And I'm like, and I kept saying to myself, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, maybe he's not as bad as I thought. Maybe it's okay. And then I hear about the altercation after the game, and I'm like, nope, that's the same group of uh, of obnoxious, full of themselves coaches that I've seen for years, and nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. I I don't think anything has changed right there. Uh, For somebody like that, he probably was trying to make up for whatever happened at halftime. And I don't, I don't think you're making anything up like that. If something was said uh, that that wasn't, and and you know what, tensions are high going into these games. So these coaches have to know that regardless of what they say, uh, it it holds a little bit more weight when it comes Mm -hmm. to these two teams right here, Miners and Blue Raiders. And the truth is, what happened to the men last night? I mean, their game. 
the women was really the story of the night because they did, you know, something really special. The men um, did, they had a weird game last night. I mean, they scored a ton of points. They were down most of the game like we usually see on the road, especially. Then they come back, cut it to two in an, really an amazing rally, and you're thinking maybe they can pull this off. And then in a blink of an eye, it was an 8 nothing run by Middle Tennessee and stick a fork in UTEP, that was it. And it was just a weird game because UTEP wasn't playing particularly well, but they were kind of hanging around, hanging around, staying in that 6-9 to nine point range. And then they got hot, got on that little run, cut it to two, made you think, huh, maybe they'll take it right down to the wire, maybe we have a chance to win. And before you know it, that two-point deficit was it was it, it grew to ten like instantly, and that was the end of the minors. And what was really interesting to me about the men was, um, uh, when you watch them play yesterday, Hardy, Tay Hardy, had um, a, a nice game scoring wise. I think he had like twenty points, and when they were down by two, it seemed like Hardy. Missed on two consecutive possessions and then turned it over on a third. And pretty much that lead just completely grew um, after what happened with Hardy on those three straight possessions. And I felt bad because I'm like, hey, this is UTEP's best score. It's a guy that was putting it in last night and kind of keeping them in the game. But unfortunately, three straight possessions down the court with missed shots or turnovers by Hardy led to Middle Tennessee blowing that game wide open late in the, in the uh, second half. Yeah, I loved the second half by Tay Hardy all the way up into the four-minute point yep. uh, because, you know, he, th- he puts up 13 points. you got to give him credit for helping and willing UTEP back into this game, but last night was more of the same of all this year. This this entire season, we've seen UTEP bat- uh, battle back. They uh, battle back from large deficits against opponents. It it could be quality opponents. It could be um, you know opponents who are lesser quality opponents than them. And sometimes they come out victorious like mm-hmm. they did at home against UTSA. But then sometimes they come out on the losing end just like they did last night. And, and I think that's just a, another example of the Miners getting down to the wire against an opponent, not being able to score in late game situations. Steven, this one went up, uh, you know, and it went over 70 points. I kind of figured the Miners were going to lose. But when they cut it to 2.74 to 70, I, I thought that they had a chance right there, and unfortunately for the Miners, I actually blame their defense down the stretch. I don't think they defended as well. You know that they're not going to make all the shots uh, that they, they are going to attempt, but you also hope that they would play defense and lock down defense down the stretch, and they just didn't. Now, that's a good point. You're right. They just they gave up a ton of points. A ton wow. of points. And they're a weird team, because one game they're holding a team to 52, and the next game a team goes off for 80+. plus. It's so hard to figure. It might be the road. Uh, this team is not very uh, good at all when they travel away from the Haskins Center. And I feel like any time, whether it's a quality opponent or a team that's worse than them, they play everybody well at the Haskins Center for the mo- most part. Just on the road, they're not a good team. Yeah. They're 1-7, I believe, on the road. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great stat. Hey, uh, we've got Jeff Erickson coming up in a little bit. We'll do a fantasy spot with Jeff today on the show. But first, let's go to Kurt. He's on the lines right now, 505-6009, leading us off on a Friday. First caller spot of the afternoon. Hey, Kurt, how are you? How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing all right, Kurt. How about yourself? Uh, real good. Uh, first of all, about that minor game uh, last night, you know, it's just, this team is very, very frustrating to watch. 
Uh, of course, offensively, we know they can't they can't seem to score down low or in the perimeter. And uh, they play defense in spurts, and they can't make stops when they have to make stops. And uh, I've never seen a team that cannot score Steve like this in a long time. I've been going to games for years, and this is a very first thing for me to watch. And yep, I you know it's not going to change Steve. So I hope Nick, but we can get some guys for next season that uh, you know can somehow get some shooters in here that can shoot the ball. So I have a theory on this year's team. I don't think they're that far away from, like, Adrian and I have been talking about this, and we're saying, you know what? They're like a Sule boom away from being right at the top of Conference USA. Like, I mean, they've got the supporting cast. They do everything right, but but score and, and, and really, you know, they turn the ball over way too much. They treat the ball sometimes like it's a live hand grenade, and that's a problem. But, I mean, realistically, it's not like they're two or three or four players away. They're one really, really good player away from being a totally different kind of team. And, you know, that kind of guy is a Sule boom. So, you know, if they can keep a core of five or six guys from this team back next year, add two or three really, really good players through NIL opportunities, they're going to have a chance to turn things around. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I keep keep most of these guys, half these guys, and some some aren't going to stay or some are going to go or, aren't, or, or make, aren't, aren't good enough. But we need, we need some guys down low in the post and some perimeter shooting. And that's yep. that's totally missing from this team. And a good and, and a point guard because remember you're going to be out without Givens next year. He or he's or Givens is going to be done. So Correct. you need. I'd like to see just a, a bigger point guard that that you know can, can put the ball in the hole pretty consistently. That's they need a they need a big scoring point guard. I agree. I agree. Let's just let's let's hopefully we can turn it around. Uh, Appreciate the season you, and uh, thank you. All right. Have a good weekend. Thanks for the call. 16 passes as we continue. Agent, we have a lot to talk about with Utah. We'll, we'll unpack this. Because um, I've got I've got tons of opinions on the men's team. I, I really do. And, you know, I, I know you took a ton, ton of calls yesterday. Saw the social media. Uh, Twitter went wild last night on Minor Talk, presented by the Oscar Adietta Allstate Agency. But yeah, I do want to dive into Utah hoops a little bit later in the show today. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, one of those points right now. They're on this road swing. They're mm-hmm. not having much success, but let's see what happens tomorrow for Western Kentucky. There you go. That's a team that's on the uh, downswing, so maybe maybe they can turn it around. All right, in the meantime, Jeff Erickson coming up after Charlie. One, he's back with our first traffic update of the afternoon. Back here on Sports Talk, 20 past the hour. Jeff Erickson joins us this week from rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. And uh, Jeff uh, has had a busy day today. He was out golfing. Uh, how'd you shoot? Give me an idea of what the uh, game was like today. How'd you, uh, you know, how'd you finish up? Well, we were playing a scramble, so uh, team event. So, you know, best ball, that sort of thing. But uh, our group finished eight under, which put us, like, middle of the pack. You know how uh, scrambles are. You get these ringers that play, and they, yep. maybe some people that are not completely, utterly, totally honest with their score, you know. So uh, you, you see some unreal scores out there sometimes, but that's okay. We had a good time, had some good shots, uh, you know, had some good drives. So that was it was a good day. Now, did you play with the RotoWire guys, or do you have um, do you actually have friends outside of RotoWire who will invite you for these? I conference? actually have friends outside of RotoWire. Shockingly enough, but one of them was a RotoWire guy. Um, but uh, most of, most of the RotoWire guys are in Madison, Wisconsin, where. They might be golfing four months from now, so we'll see about that. But uh, and I, I don't hesitate to let them know that I golfed today, they, and they didn't. So there's that. What course? Uh, what course you play? The course called Los Serranos. Uh, it's a twin. There's two two eighteens there. Uh, pretty long track, um, but uh, it, it's 
I think it's a uh, Arnold Palmer design course. Oh, nice. Uh, final question, then we'll get on to the other stuff. How many uh, putts did your team use for you? How was your short game, Jeff? It's okay. Um, I, 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 I typically am a, I'm not the greatest putter. Um, I, there's other guys in my group that are better, but I think I sunk like three or four. Jeff, on these lines, who do you like next week for the waste management? <laughs> uh, haven't seen uh, the lines for that yet. Um, it's going to be a loaded event, though, because it's one of the, you know, with the, the PGA Tour is different this year because they have the designated status event. So you're going to see, you know, we had a pretty weak field this week at Pebble Beach. We're going to have a loaded field next week. And this is the whole, like, the, the PGA Tour wants to have their stars play these events, their heightened purses, way to compete with Liv. Especially, you've got the Super Bowl there next week. So you've got the Super Bowl and the Waste Management all at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's right. We've had that combo before. It's pretty crazy. Looking forward to it. Uh, meantime, I'm on Rotowire right now. Um, I like this. The You've got everything from Harvard odds to make the NCAA basketball tournament to uh, more baseball preview, DraftKings uh, daily uh, DFS for soccer, you also have the best NBA bets for today, Super Bowl prop picks, first touchdown scored. You're all over the place at Rotowire, which is what it should be right now with all the sports, right? Yeah, lots of action. And, of course, I'm spending a lot of my time on baseball draft season uh, where you may not have as many betting odds, but that's fine. Uh, I, I'm more concerned with our drafts anyhow. So it's, it, it's, all, it's all there. It's all picking up. When will you be doing when? Like when do your drafts really start? Uh, I I have I've had four so far, but those are all kind of like slow drafts, kind of the ones I do to get used to everything, uh, get get used to the player pool. My I think they start first one in earnest. I think is the twenty first. That'll be a, at the that's my first big one. Okay, and that's about you know two and a half weeks from now, and pitchers and catchers yeah. will be reporting around the middle of the month, so you'll probably get some initial uh, storylines from the camps, and then all of a sudden, you know, games start at the end of February, and uh, before you know it, uh, season's here in March. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Pitchers and catchers, usually like right after the Super Bowl, pretty quickly after that. So, yeah, and we always see like a big spike in like baseball signups right after the Super Bowl. I'm not surprised. I feel like that's exactly what I would expect right now. Also interesting that at this point in time, you know, we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of arbitration news. Although one story that broke today that uh, is not the kind of news that um, I, I guess Chihuahuas fans want to hear is that Eggy Rosario fractured an ankle while doing sprinting drills during winter ball. We found that out uh, today from Jeff Sanders of the San Diego Union-Tribune. We loved what Eggy did last year in El Paso, and we figured if he didn't make the team out of spring training, he would definitely be a, a cornerstone here, and now he's probably not going to be able to play for at least uh, the middle of the season. Yeah, that's a tough one there, and you know, it's sometimes hard to get good information coming out of winter ball. It, it filters out like a month after it happens many times. Uh, so it's always kind of pretty tricky there. But, yeah, uh, and the way they loaded up on their big league roster, he was almost certainly going to spend uh, you know, spend a good portion of the year in El Paso, too. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. You combined with Eric Halterman, Clay Lincoln, Todd Zola this week 
to do the 2023 Roundtable Top 300. Now, for people that don't know what this is, this is when the four of you each go ahead and rank your players uh, from 1 to 300, and then you kind of take the average, and whoever's got the highest average is is ranked accordingly. So I like this because, uh, Jeff, there's always certain players – that vary in a big way from some of you, uh, you know, like guys that would yep. be highly ranked, like Ronald Acuna Jr., for example. You've got him five, Clay has him three, and Eric has him two, but Todd's got him 16. I, I always like it when, between the four of you, there's always a bunch of guys that are a little off. Yeah, that's right. And the idea is that, you know, we, we all do our rankings independently, submit them, and then we see what everybody else has done. So we're not like trying to like not you know i want to make sure i fit in no we want to you know say rank them how we're going to draft them that's right and in case people are wondering for the top 10 let me give you the consensus top 10 trey turner jose ramirez aaron judge julio rodriguez ronald acuna jr kyle tucker jordan alvarez shohei otani freddie freeman and mookie betts and by the way when you when you're ranking otani are you ranking him more for his pitching or his hitting? Because some leagues do not allow you to select both Otanis. You sometimes have to draft yeah. hitter Otani in one and pitcher Otani in the other. So the, our operating assumption is we're ranking them as if you can choose what they are in any given week. You can't use them as both at the same time, uh, but you don't have to have separate Otanis because they're not. He's one person, right? Um, so you should be able to get, you know, get that, uh, and all that uh, as far as that goes. So, yeah, um, it's, it's a tricky thing too. I play in some leagues where you can get them, like we have daily moves or you get his fishing stats and his hitting stats in the same week, which obviously is pretty crazy. So we don't get that too often, but you know, it's, it's pretty cool when you, when you do. What's a, um, what's a so higher value? Fun. Is it uh pitching Otani or hitting Otani? Hitting because it's every day, um, and you know, especially because Otani doesn't get that many two-start weeks because they usually go with a six-man rotation. You know, he's like your stunt. He's like he's like a college like Friday night starter, except it's Sundays. You know, uh, he's he's that once a week sort of guy usually. That's true. And by the way, in case you're wondering, the outside of Otani, the highest-ranked pitcher is Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. Then you've got Garrett Cole, and they're between 15 and 20. And then you got to go all the way down to 26 for Aaron Nola. So, interestingly enough, as far as pitchers go, Burns, Cole, and Otani are your top three heading into uh, the fantasy season. Yeah, and you'll notice that starting pitchers are a little lower this year. Uh, teams are, you know, I, I think drafters are prioritizing those bats and trying to get a little bit more uh, of a base there. And I think we're, we're seeing that last year, like, going pitching heavy didn't work as well. So we're uh, trying to, I think a lot of people are making sure they get that, that at least one hitter in the first two rounds. Um, I think it leads to some opportunities if you're willing to take a chance. If you really feel like you can find some late hitters that you like and you can load up on those early starting pitchers, um, it, it presents an opportunity. But it, it's a r- little bit of a risky play. Is your strategy always to go hitters over pitchers with your top two or three round picks? No, I don't. I, I, I try not to be that uh, dogmatic. Uh, and, and I kind of it's year by year. Okay. Sometimes I feel like the starting the ace pool is thinner, so I want to make sure I get one of those aces. Other years, 
you know, maybe not so much. It also depends on where I'm drafting. In snake drafts, like, I play in a lot of 15-team mixed leagues, um, and so, you know, you need everything, right? So uh, I am, I'm more inclined to get a starting pitcher in a 15-teamer, actually, than I am in a 12. Where in a 12-teamer, I feel like I can find pitchers later a little bit easier, uh, and so I'll, I'll act accordingly. Yeah, that's a good strategy from Jeff Erickson as we continue here on Sports Talk. Don't worry, uh, Adrian's also soaking this in with me because the two of us have a lot of fantasy baseball here to do in the next couple of weeks, Jeff. Very so true. This is, uh, this is very yeah. valuable, valuable information. All right, more with Jeff as we keep things moving, but first, right back to Adrian uh, with this Sports Center update. Interesting values here. Um, number one. Fernando Tatis Jr. will be back sometime in uh, April. We surely don't know what position he's going to play, but we think the outfield. And you've got him consensus 18. Still a top 20 player, although you still wonder, when he comes back, will it be the same Tatis we're used to? Yeah, there are so many question marks, Steve, because he's had two injuries plus the suspension, you know, know, which, you know, was he using performance-enhancing gear all along, or was it just as part of his rehab, or was it an oops? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of mystery there that necessarily even buying what he's selling either, so that's the part that makes it kind of tricky. Uh, then you, and you know you're going to miss a certain amount of time uh, to begin with. That, so he, that's why he gets pushed down. Otherwise, I mean, if there was any doubt about his playing time or health, he'd be a top-five player. And so uh, you can see there's a little bit of risk baked into that. Uh, personally, I would need like a mid-second round price to take him. Uh, I wouldn't take him with a first-round pick. I think I need, you know, watch that price, though, go up once he starts hitting rockets in spring training. Yeah, that'll exactly right. That'll change, uh, that'll change everything. And that's part of the other fun part is, um, and this is a great piece of advice for people that play fantasy baseball, don't get too caught up in spring training stories because often uh, they don't hold true to guys carrying it over when the season starts. Absolutely right. Um, you, you know, you're hitting in these great ballparks. You're hitting off of minor league pitchers, uh, guys that are just working on a pitch or just getting their work in. It's not the same thing. Um, now, keep in mind, too, though, this is going to be a little different of a spring training for two reasons. One, we have the WBC, so certain players are going to be trying to ramp up quicker uh, and going to be away from their teams for a while. And then two, and more importantly, we have a whole set of new rules this year. And I think a lot of the players, especially those that weren't in the minor leagues at all last year, are going to be trying to get used to it. You've got a pitch clock. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, the new base rule. Uh, the bases are bigger and thus a little closer to each other. You've got the new pickoff rule. You're only allowed two free pickoff throws. Then the third one, if you have a third pickoff throw, if you don't get the runner out, it's treated as a balk. Uh, so you're going to see a lot more stolen bases this year. So you're getting used to that. You're dealing with the balanced schedule. Uh, that's something you won't see in spring training to be dealing with there. But And then also you have the shift rule, um, which I don't like, by the way. Of the new rules, I don't like the shift rule. I think you should be able to play anybody anywhere that you want. Uh, I think you should be able to deploy your uh, defenders optimally. Uh, but that's wow. neither here nor there. That the rule is now different. That You have to have at least two guys on each side of the infield. You have to have at least four infielders. You can't, have, you can't, put, enough, you know, you can't put Manny Machado in short right field. Um, and you also can't switch sides. 
So you can't put your best, you know, shift your best infielder depending on whether it's a righty or a lefty coming up. If he's a shortstop, he has to be on the left side of the infield the whole time. So I'm most interested in the shift because I think that there's a lot of guys whose averages have plummeted due to the shift that might actually now prove to be more valuable offensively since teams can't play to some of those sides. And I'm so interested to see if uh, if there's you know which guys will benefit the most from the ban of the shift. Yeah, left-handed pull hitters. I mean that that's really where that's the sweet spot. You know, it, it dates back, like, remember, Mark Kachira basically retired early because he couldn't beat the shift. Uh, you, you're going to get some guys like that. So that those are the ones that are going to be affected the most. Lefty's always got shifted more against than righties. Plays are at first base, obviously, so you can't pull away from first base bag as easily. Uh, plus, lefties typically have more of a pull tendency. So two reasons why. So that that, that is going to be interesting. I'm with you on that one. All right, uh, so we've got a lot of stories up on the website right now, rotowire.com. You've got, uh, let's see here, the top 300 we talked about. You also have um, the closer encounters, the 2023 closer rankings from yesterday. That's a good story. And as you mentioned, a very good story that you wrote earlier this week, the fantasy impact of 2023 rules changes. Exactly what you talked yeah. about. You got a whole article about that up on the website right now, rotowire.com. Yeah, so uh, I encourage you guys to check it out. Including in that article, too, is at the bottom of the article, we talked about three parks that had significant changes Detroit, Toronto, and the Mets. Uh, all uh, are adjusting their outfield fences. So, also another thing to keep an eye on. Last year, we saw Baltimore become Baltimore uh, and had big changes, hurt right handed power a lot. This year, the trend is the opposite direction. Teams are moving fences in. Although Toronto, it's a little harder to tell because they're raising the height of the fences but moving some of them in in some places. They're making it asymmetrical. They're trying to get better defense in the outfield with some of their player acquisitions. So it makes me think it's, they think it's going to play more as a uh, pitcher's park a little bit, at least on fly balls. So something to watch for there, too. Meanwhile, you're uh, no baseball magazine this year, but the entire magazine is on the website. You basically have the entire draft kit up right now, which uh, if you're smart, you can utilize that as your fantasy baseball draft magazine. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand people are tactile. They like it in their hands sometimes. So sorry about that. Uh, it's just we're in a new world. Print, print journalism is hard to uh, – make money on, especially for baseball. Football, we'll still do a physical magazine. Uh, but the lockout last year by the owners, that was the, like the, the final blow to the magazine. When we didn't know if and when the season was going to start, we really couldn't do a magazine. Um, so it was kind of a casualty of that. Uh, but, yeah, all of our projections are up on the site, constantly updating those. All of our player outlooks are up on the site. You go to any particular player, you'll see his player outlook. And if we don't have one, you want to see us, Write something up on a player, just let us know. James Anderson has updated prospect and dynasty rankings up on the site. So uh, if you're in a keeper league, a dynasty league, like I know you're in plenty of them, Steve, highly recommend that. Too many of them, Jeff. Too many of them. That is for sure. Fun, but, yeah, takes up a lot of time. There's no doubt about it. Indeed. All right, listen, great stuff. Um, We will check back in with you after the Super Bowl, which, by the way, who are you picking? You have the the Chiefs and the Eagles, and, and tell me why. Uh, I'm going to go 28-24 Eagles. Uh, I think the Eagles defensive line is a big difference. They're going to get to Mahomes a little bit better than the Bengals did, and 
he won't be able to evade that pass rush as readily. Plus, the uh, the Chiefs' wide receiver injuries are a big problem. I think that's going to be a. I, I think that is going to be uh, an issue, especially because the Eagles are really good at stopping the four, uh, outside receivers to begin with. Uh, it limits a lot of what the Chiefs can do. So. I'll say Eagles 28-24. All right, we've got you down. Jeff, appreciate the conversation. Look forward to checking back in with you here uh, in, in a couple weeks. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com. Check it out if you haven't done so already. Oh, so much more to get to. Looking forward to it. Zay's in the house. We'll keep things moving. 600 ESPN El Paso. I'll pass the hour. UTEP Zay's in the house. He was there last night witnessing the UTEP women stun Middle Tennessee with six players. He was also uh, around uh, after the game for the exchange. Um, Zay, tell us a little bit about, you sent the tweet out yesterday, but tell us a little bit more about what happened uh, after UTEP stunned Middle Tennessee with that uh, Jazzy on Jackson three-pointer with four-tenths of a second left. So actually, that happened during halftime. So when the teams are going into half, that's when that happened. And mm. basically, I I didn't get a good look at it. Right, I I'm just chilling. Right, I, I'm like, okay, I'm writing down what happened. You know, UTEP goes on a bit of a run to to cut it to two. Right, and then I look up and I see Kevin Baker being held back, and then I see two Middle Tennessee managers walking by. Laughing. Managers or coaches? So I saw the managers walking by, but the coaches were in front of them. Right, so. Uh, when the when the Middle Tennessee coaches came out, first the Middle Tennessee team came out, the, you know, maybe a little clap here and there, and then the coaches came out, and there was just a barrage of boos. So I'm guessing that it was a it was a it was a word said between the coaches. That's what I'm guessing because of all the boos when they came back for half uh, for the second half. But uh, yeah, it was Kevin Baker being held back going into the half. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I know right now. All right. Well, what's interesting is that. One of the coaches at Middle Tennessee um, under Rick Ensel is his son, Matt. So he is the associate head women's basketball coach. And I wonder, because the other assistants are women, he has Kim Bruton and Nina Davis. And I seriously doubt that Kevin Baker would be going after a female assistant coach and have to be restrained. So chances are... Uh, it was probably Matt Insel when it was all said and done, who is the son of Rick Insel. Yeah, I could definitely see that, but uh, I know they only list three assistant coaches. There's like there's like five people on that coaching staff. There's like an extra two or three guys, and well, they, they have the guys. Yeah. They have the director of analytics. They have the coordinator of operations and player development. Uh, it, there is there is a large staff. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, so it might be Intel's son, but uh, who knows? Who knows who it was? I guess we'll never know, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was a crazy game last night. And Pinky uh, did note that it is a father-son combo, and he's 100% right with the coaching staff. It was a wild game. Um, just an uh, incredible game, and I felt really good about UTEP winning because of the history. And I know Ensel uh, well enough just by doing a bunch of those games over the years, dating back to when Keitha was coaching UTEP. And um, I-, I never cared for him, never cared for the staff. It was just this sense of arrogance every single time they were out there on the court. And as great as they were, the arrogance just makes you dislike them. Yeah, you could you could tell that the the minor fans were, you know, when he, when he entered the court, he walked in with a with a walk. You know, he walked in with a walk. He always does. Yeah. So it was it was a fun game though. You know, it was just I enjoyed watching that game. It was a good college basketball game. I haven't watched the replay yet 
on CUSA TV, but I wonder if at halftime they show any of that from the tunnel. Uh, so somebody commented, you know, when I when I uh, on Twitter, someone commented that they could see that on Conference USA TV. So you might be able to get like the 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 little grainy footage of it, you know, of just try and see what happened. I like that little grainy footage. Uh, I, I'm all about it. I'm gonna have to now uh, pop this thing in and uh, do a little uh, do a little digging, Adrian, and see if I can find uh, the incident that was in question that everybody was talking about. I'm impressed that you're a, a loyal CUSA TV subscriber, Steve. Um, you know, there's only a handful of games left on this platform, and uh, you're using it to the, the bitter end. It's You go down with the ship, right? Yes, yes, you go down with the ship. That's you do right. go down with the ship. All right, I just see the block at the half that ends it. And Kevin Baker wanted to travel by the officials. So he was upset to begin with about the travel. That didn't happen. And I wonder if at that point that's when Middle Tennessee mouthed off because Baker felt that there was a travel as the half was coming to an end. I could yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense that you know Baker was talking to the refs maybe complaining about, hey, why was there no travel? Maybe someone passing by going into the half said something to him, and that's what kind of set him off. So I don't think he was separated in the tunnel, right? It was it on the court that this was actually happening as the coaches were getting ready to take their team into the locker room? It, was, it wasn't on the court. It was like right uh, – it was behind the basket. So behind the basket, not completely in the tunnel yet. All right. Kind of right there in that, in that corner. Well, he was fired up. He wanted it. He wanted to travel, so he was already in a mood. And if Middle Tennessee mouthed off to him in the process, I could totally see how Baker would have been uh, would ready to lose it. I could see that. Yeah, you know, they were, it was a, it was a heated game throughout. You know, even on the court, you could see there was times where both teams got a little heated, but uh, it was just a fun game. I keep saying that, but it was an awesome game. Yeah, absolutely right. Good for the women. Good for them. Winning with six players and being a nationally ranked team. And them of all teams, that's huge. That yep. is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. You know, he said it before. Kevin Baker said it before. It's starting to feel like UTEP kind of has Middle Tennessee's number. You know, they beat them back-to-back years. Of course, last year, coming off of a bad loss. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember who it was to, but they rebound with a win over Middle Tennessee last year. And they would again this year. We'll see We'll see the rematch down the road. Well, we'll probably see the rematch. We could see him again in the tournament. Uh, that's another thing. So, you know, good for – I mean – Hey, if it's been 25 years since UTEP beat a nationally ranked team, that means Keith Adams didn't do it her whole career. Um, you know, it's interesting if you think about it. She she turned that program around, went to the NCAA tournament twice, never beat a nationally ranked team. Yeah, you're having to look uh, decades plus for the last time somebody's won one. And and it's interesting that Sandra she was rushing. Yeah, it's interesting that it wasn't Keitha who knocked off a top 25 I opponent. I completely agree with you. All right, hour in the books. When we come back, the Foss will join us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Times when Foss speaks, it's, it just naturally happens. It reminds me when I first started with Robert Garcia. We used to yell at each other all the time on the radio back in the 90s. It was just because Robert, Robert, in a way, was like Foss. He, sometimes he would say things that was utter stupidity, and it would force me to, to, to break character a little bit. And Foss did that. It's just, you know, <laughs> I mean, this whole thing about the Cowboys and then the Eagles that tried to compare that and – the best was he said it's his ninth rodeo, but he's never done a radio show from there before. I know. So what have you done so, over there, Foss? Here's <laughs> what he does. Hung, let, me explain, let, me explain, let me explain what Foss <laughs> does. Okay, He shows up at the Super Bowl. He gets day passes, and he hangs out. That's what he does. Okay, 
This is a totally this. He is a smart man. He's he's done it like that for nine years. Very smart man. This is totally different. This is a full credential pass for the full week. Okay, much different. Much much different. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about waiting in line every day to get in. This is a, a he's there for the whole week, and um and he's getting to broadcast his show, which he's never done before in his life. So. Don't let Foss kid you, folks. It might be his ninth Super Bowl, but this is his first time doing what we do every day out there. This is, okay, I'll give a better comparison. This is as if, like, a college backup quarterback goes to the national championship with Alabama, you know, every year, and then Mm -hmm. his senior year he's finally slid in as the starting quarterback and he gets to play for the national championship. That's what it kind of is for Foss. He's basically the Jimmy Garoppolo of 600 ESPN El Paso. I like that. Jimmy G, versatile, you know, can provide a spark for you. Can't always uh, rely on him all the time. But but the point is he arrived in the Super Bowl for years holding the clipboard for Tom Brady. Yes, that's right. And then now he's uh, now he's a starting quarterback. He's that's a gunslinger. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's a good one. 100%. All right, Oscar Adietta is going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. I'm excited about that. Looking at some of the tweets coming in. Esteban tweets to show, Steve, it doesn't become you when you get so loudly defensive. Listen, you're right, Esteban. I'm not going to lie to you. You're right. But sometimes you got to break character. When you, when you see BS flying at you, you got to detect it. And if you got to raise your voice, you got to raise your voice. You got to do what you got to do. So appreciate you, Esteban, though. You're, it's, it's interesting. Um, Vic, Victor Neff at Neff Poppy tweets San Fran may have held Philly to 269 yards, but Philadelphia's defense held San Fran to 97 yards passing and 81 yards rushing. Sacked them three times, forced three fumbles, stopped twice on fourth down conversions, and allowed only 11 first downs. 45 plays in 22 and a half minutes, seven points. It's a good point. Now Poppy always brings it too. Also, uh, Foss going and attacking the 49ers fans right away. How about that right there? That was big. He was mad last week about uh, all the, the you know flack he took for hating on the 49ers. He was. You're right. Uh, we'll get to Ruben right after we get to Adrian. Bottom of the hour, middle of the show. Here's a Sports Center update. Ruben, how are you? What's going on, rookie? I know. Isn't that nice? I'm like, uh, I feel. Isn't it great, though? I, I'm a 28 year old rookie because I've been doing this 28 years. First time doing that. And the truth is, Ruben, this is the this is like the missing link to my broadcast career. I mean, I did a, like a dozen Delahoya fights. Broadcasted from New York, L.A., um, spring training, every place you could imagine I've been, except for the Super Bowl. So this is uh, this is gonna be fun. This is definitely something I've been I've been wanting to do for a while. So it's good. I'll, I'll feel like a little bit of a rookie this week. It's gonna be fun. Well, let me just say this. Actually, there's there's a couple of things I want to point point out. Um, one of them is, uh, and I I. Before I even say one other, one thing to begin with, I just want to throw this out there to make sure that everybody understands this. I totally respect the FOSS. I do. Having said that, the way he came across with you and the way he kind of like, and I'm just going to say it the way I felt it, that he just kind of like was look, talking down to you, I thought that was not cool at all. You know, you've, you've been doing what you've been doing for quite a long time. And I guess the reason, I don't guess, I know the reason that you've been able to do what you do for such a long period of time is because you're damn good at it. Damn good at it. I appreciate and that. And so, 
So the fact, and I'm not sitting here kissing you, you know what? I'm telling it to you the way I see it, and that's it. You know me. No BS. Hey, it's okay though. Listen, Ruben, I talk down to him all the time, so it's uh, it's fair. It's 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 you got to be able to dish it out and take it. So that part put a smile on my face. I enjoyed listening to that, and don't worry, we've given Foss so much garbage in our segments because we, we we really like him. He's fun to have on the air. He's fun to play around with. So when he did that, uh, that didn't bother me one bit. That's 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 part of the show, man. You got to be able to dish it out and take it. No, I get it. I get it. But, but again, I just think that, uh, like I was saying, you know, you, you're excellent at what you do. And, uh, I think your longevity has, has, has proven that, um, number one, number two, let me just tell you this. I know that, you know, you, when you go to work, you go to work and there's no, no, no distraction for you, True. but I got to tell you this, this is your first Super Bowl, bro. Go down there and do everything and anything that you can to take it in. I promise you, you are going to, like, go ape when you go there. There's nothing. There is no other sporting event in the world like covering the Super Bowl. Enjoy it and take it all in. Well, listen. And I'll be listening. First off, just, just so you know, just so you know, we're leaving the day before the game to come back. All right, we're not going to cover the okay. game itself, and I really no, I understand, and I and that's not something I, I really want to do. I want to just be a part of this and these three days at Radio Row, and I am going to be excited. But I, I promise you this, okay? In all the years I've done this show, and like I said, it started in the summer of '97, and I've done so many fun, fun broadcasts. I'm just telling the listeners right now, those three days are going to just be. To try to describe what we're going to do in terms of content, quality, guests, and who we're going to have on the show, it's going to be it's going to be on a different level. And I think that is what I'm so excited about because you know as well as I do, I love to interview people. Love to interview people. It's my oh, favorite yeah. thing on the show. And we are going to have Absolutely. so many of those over those three days. Yep. That, I think, yep, is yep. what I'm looking forward to the most. Well, like I said... I know that for you, you know, work comes first and everything comes later. But let me tell you, don't, don't, um, God, what's, what's the word? Take advantage of what you're going to. Okay. Because like I tell you, man, there's nothing like covering a Super Bowl. How many have you had over the years? How many, Ruben? Ah, 23. Unreal. On the the field. Wow. 23 on the field. But like I tell you, this isn't about Ruben. This is about you. I mean, you do not, you cannot see the smile on my face that I'm wearing for you because I am so darn proud that you guys are going up there. Yeah, I appreciate I it. mean, you guys have like earned this. You've worked your butt off. You've earned this. And that's why I'm telling you, bro, go work, but have fun. Definitely will do you, both. Like I said, yep. Like I said, you will never, ever experience anything like this again. Even if you go back a million times, the first one is always going to be what you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Great advice. And right now I sound like, I sound like your dad, but dude, do. go have fun. I plan on it. I'll see you Monday at the Hall of Fame uh, nominations, and then we're heading out Tuesday morning. So it'll be a lot of fun. That's but I'll, awesome. I'll talk to you Monday, all right? Take care. Okay, bro. God bless you. Enjoy your weekend. You too, Ruben.
All right. Ruben Ramirez from Central joining us here as we continue. 37 past. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have Oscar Arieta with us in our studios. Looking forward to that conversation. And then Tough Hedeman at 6 right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. The Oscar Arieta Agency. I always see with the UTEP games. You're at all the games. I try to be there, but, you know, it's sometimes it's impossible. But you can see me almost all the time there. I love it. I know you do. Again, yeah. and, and you know what's fun, too, is uh, you, know, you, get, you get wrapped up in these games. You get pretty into it. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, are you like me? You grew up around UTEP basketball, so when you go there, you almost feel like it's your home away from home. Yes, and you just feel so bad when you know we could have won the game. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had some close. I think I, looking in the history, I think this is the first time I see that we're into almost every single game. Yeah. Every single game I leave saying we should have won that one. Even road games. Like last night, yes. they, were, they were down two oh with my four God, minutes left no. to go. Same thing. Yeah. And so, then you come out and you're just – you can't shoot one bucket. I know. I know. But you've got a big thing coming up here in, in, in about a week. You've got a Valentine's Day couples giveaway. Let's talk about this promotion right now, Oscar. This is very cool. Yeah. So next Saturday, February 11th, um, uh, we're one of the game, we're the game sponsors for the women's game. And we also want to be out there on the women's game. I think they're doing phenomenal. I love that Um and uh, we're we're doing the Valentine's uh, a Valentine's giveaway. I'm asking fans to come in, and we're going to give out two hundred dollars to West Texas. So, West Texas know, Chop House. West Texas Chop House. Oh, nice. Mm. That's nice. that's good stuff. That's like a Valentine's steak dinner. That's yeah. a ter- and that's a great prize. So I invite because you, you know, can get you can have a nice bottle of wine, a couple of really nice steaks, yes. some sides, dessert. You know, two hundred dollars can go a long yeah. way for and Valentine's. West Texas has a good. Var- I mean, I'm. I'm not a sponsor for them or anything. They're not paying me to say this, but yeah. love to go there and because uh, they got some nice wine selection. And, mm-hmm. You know, I think that with two hundred dollars, you can take your date mm-hmm. I think and have a nice do. dinner. That's excellent. And by the way, I understand that the certificate is not going to be just for Valentine's, even though you could you could use it for any night. So you yeah. could make you could make any night a Valentine's Day night dinner. Yeah, we were talking with my staff, and I said, imagine if they get into a fight. After that, I said, that's fine. They, they can go anytime and take their, their, their best friends or, or take anybody they want and mm-hmm. say, hey, I don't have a date night. You want to join me for this? So they can go on Valentine's or they can do whenever they want. So this will be next Saturday. You have next your Saturday. Okay. Um, I invite fans to go out there. Um, we'll have a booth out there. All they got to do is register. So only the people that go to the booth will uh, register for that. I, I want to make it intimate and people to go out there and meet us. And, and are you going to have other raffles going on in the booth as well, or will it all be exclusively for the uh, for the prize for the dinner? No, so that's the only raffle. But we will be giving a bunch of prizes there also. I mean, we you know we got some orange, nice orange uh, glasses, the rise up with the rise up, and mm-hmm. some sunglasses from UTEP. So. Nice. You got the coolest. You got, I'm telling you, that's, you got the coolest swag. So if people want to come by your booth, they, they'll know that they'll get some really, really neat stuff that definitely has a, a UTEP theme on yeah. it. That's for sure. Yeah, we always have. We actually always have fans going out there. Says, "Hey, what you getting out this time?" We're always getting something different. And uh, yeah, I, mean, it, I, I just, I just love UTEP. I love the community, and you know, of course, I put you know our logo 
But I actually love to put the UTIP logo. I want them to show Paso they got UTIP pride. So, I mean, that's why we do it. I mean. I know it. And and by the way, you're also involved during the games. You'll have game presentations as well, not just for something like this that we're talking about, but you do a lot of really cool things during the home games. Yes. Uh, uh, we've been doing it several years now, and we're always uh, uh, showcasing our hometown heroes. So we got so many out there, and there's I've gotten to meet many special people that I didn't know, but they were referred by, you know, we got clients or people coming up to us and said, hey, uh, can you research the this individual and this candidate for a hometown hero? And we start researching and they, they do so much. You can't imagine how many people do special things for El Paso. I mean, there's so much love. I think this is what makes El Paso such a loving community. I get it. I do understand that because I've seen the power of what this city is like and how everybody feels such like they're, like they're part of each other. There's a there's a there's a, just a good feeling of love, camaraderie, and familia in this city, and there yeah. always has been. I mean, you get. I've spoken to players that you know they're coming from the East Coast or West Coast, mm-hmm. and they come to El Paso. Said they didn't even know El Paso existed, but as soon as they start. Uh, meeting people from El Paso and they start mingling, they they fall in love with it and they fall in love not with the city, they fall in love with the people because the people is what makes El Paso. Oscar, want to ask you uh, specifically about this season for UTEP basketball. I know you talked about the roller coaster ride right here, but a lot of minor fans uh, yesterday on Minor Talk, they're starting to now question Coach Golding. But I, I would just caution them by saying this: Look, they're only two years in. He's o- he's only had two seasons into his time. It, it, people in El Paso kind of need to give him a little bit more uh, or have a little bit more patience around the coaching staff. Yes, I, I totally agree. Hey. <laughs> Oh, my God. So I've been a long-time Cowboy fan, and as soon as they lost, you know, everybody was questioning every single move. And, you know, we as fans, we get so passionate. I understand. It's a passion. You get passionate, and and you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, your Monday quarterbacking. And a tough loss as of yesterday, of course, you're going to try to question. But I've learned. Uh, because my, my daughter, two of my daughters used to play uh, volleyball and I was very involved in the last three seasons. And this is just a local volleyball club and it's tough. It's tough mm-hmm. to be a coach, um, at a, you know, at a club level. I just can't imagine the expectations at a college level or even a professional level. Um, I strongly believe in Coach Golden. I think I've seen I've seen many coaches. I love the the I love Coach Golden. Uh, of course, if you know, at the end of the day, we would have had a lot more wins. We would have Coach Golden in a pedestal. Of course, we'd be having like worry about him leaving, like everybody yeah, exactly. else when they're winning around here. Yeah, but I I, I think we have to go through this uh, because when you go through this, and I think uh, as long as we continue to have hope and. And uh, let's continue with the passion, the expectations. I, I strongly believe in that, but, you know, it's coming. I, I know it is. I'm a firm believer that uh, that uh, UTIP is going to be in football and basketball. You know, they're going to get out there. 
2023 is here. We're already uh, now into our second month. Today is Michael Jordan Day, by the way. You know, it's February 3rd, 2023. So it's 2323. Wow. Now, not to be confused with LeBron James because he's already been number six. Jordan was the 23 that we always talk about. So tell me, for 2023, what uh, should we expect from uh, the Oscar Adietta Agency? What do you have in store for us? Well, uh, last week we just finished our annual kickoff. Uh, I like to do a kickoff every year to start off the year for with my staff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of expectations. Hey, um, COVID came in in uh, you know a couple of years ago, and it taught us a lot of things. It it showed us. I, I've spoken with a uh, you know I a lot of people that I you know for with my staff and my team and my family and. I've always been saying that if COVID ta- taught us something is, you know, it taught us our weaknesses. And it's, and for 2023 in our kickoff, uh, we said uh, our model this year is dare to soar. You know, yes, 2022 was tough, but, um, you know, you turn on the TV and all the talk is recession, economy, you know, politics is just so much, oh, sometimes it's, there's so much hatred out there. Mm-hmm. But, what we have to focus is that it doesn't matter. This is what the world is. You know, it's an imperfect world. And what we have to do as individuals is continue to fight day and day, day in and day out. And uh, with our message, with our staff is that, hey, we need to dare to soar. You know, eagles fly towards the uh, towards the storm. They don't fly away from the storm. They go into the storm. And you know, I think we, that's what's in store for 2023. I think it's going to be an amazing year. We will continue doing amazing things. And we're, we're inviting everybody, like, hey, let's go into this storm. It's, let's not give up. Let's not give up on hope. You know, uh, this is going to be an amazing year. If you want it, let's have the attitude. You know, another saying I have is your attitude determines the uh, your altitude, you know. So, you know, where's your attitude? So, you tell me, I love when people tell me, what's in store for 23? Great things. Great things are in store for 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 us, for our team, our family, and we yeah. will continue. And also for UTEP. I know there's the, – the list just came. I was just talking to Adrian, you know. I'm excited uh, of these new uh, – uh, on this National Signing Day, you know, I have hope that – there, there's going to be some amazing kids. I think so, too. I'm excited as well. It's going to be terrific. So many good things happening right now. A lot of really cool things. So, listen, as far as I'm concerned, thank you for everything you do with us, with UTEP. Thanks for jumping on board with Radio Row and Super Bowl 57 next week because you're a part of our sponsors that are going to be with us in Phoenix. We appreciate that. And uh, uh, just, uh, again, thanks for, uh, for being a part of our family here at 600 ESPN El Paso. Yeah, well, Oscar. thank you for this invitation. You know, I'm honored to, to be here and you know, to be talking to you, the f- the famous and the the legend. You're more famous than I am. Trust me, yes, you are. He is. He's much more famous than me. Uh, I got okay. the legend here, so it's a Please. privilege. Um, we'll come back and see us again during the year, okay? When you have something else that we, yes. we can talk about, come back and see us. So before we leave, who yes. are you rooting for? Uh, I'm going for the Chiefs. The Chiefs? Okay. Yes. Just because Andy Reid is a former UTEP yes. assistant. I'll take that. And I like Patrick Mahomes. Fun yeah. quarterback. Yeah, he's oh my god! I just he just th- does things that. <laughs> but I like the Eagles because I like their team. I like their, uh, I like uh, I-, I like their fan club because they're always out of Border City L House when I'm there on Mondays. They're yeah. coming in and loyal fans. I like them too. A lot of really good people. So I had a I don't care that, as long as it's a good close game. I'm happy. Yeah, I had a friend that went to the Eagle games against the 49ers, yeah. and he's a 49er fan. He was telling me that 
those fans are passionate. Yes, idiots. they are. They're like crazy passion. I know. You uh, need to go would, to, we need to take you to Philadelphia to go watch an oh, Eagles game. I think as you a, might not come back. I, I don't think I would come back ever with the, my cowboy gear. I, oh, don't uh, do that. Don't show up. Oh, in the, no, no, yeah. no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> you got to at least wear something neutral. If you're not going to wear Eagles gear, go neutral. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Maybe something in blue, right? There you go. Hey, give me a go, Myers, as we wrap things up here, all right? All right. Go, go Miners! Coliseum, and sure enough, the Tough Hedeman bull riding tour is going to be here tomorrow. They're already here now, and uh, the great Tough Hedeman uh, spends a little time with us on the program. It's always great to see you, and thanks for dropping in. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you, as always. Man, um, you never you never age. I love that about you. Every time I see you, it's like you're you're uh, you're getting younger by the year. How are you reversing the aging process? Are you working out with Tom Brady? Is that the uh, is that the secret? Well, I've got uh, I've got. A couple of little boys, so I have four sons. Uh, Lane is 31, Trevor is 27, Riker is 7, and Rip is 1. So I have no choice. I can't, I can't get too old because I got, I've got to keep up with Riker and Rip. I'm in the same boat. When you're running after a 10-year-old, you stay in shape, right? It just keeps you the natural, uh, the you natural have no, progression. You have no option. You can't just sit down and say, like, I'm going to chill out because 1 and 7, they're, they're up and at it, and you, you – you better you better get up and go, or you know, there's no telling what might happen. How much fun is it for you when you've got the little ones and the tour? Because you've done this already, you know, 25, 30 years ago with with, with your oldest kids. Now you're getting a chance to do it again, and they're growing up around this sport that you've been a part of for so many years. It's it's super fun. In fact, uh, you know, Trevor, my 27 year old, you know, he'll be here. With the event, he he'll be the guy on a horse when a bull doesn't want to cooperate, doesn't want to leave. He's the one that'll rope and bring him out. And and uh, Riker, my seven year old, he's actually coming with him, and he assists. And uh, he he always loves it because he actually gets a paycheck. And last event, he got ten dollars more because he did, did three more jobs. And so it, it it's fun for them to see kind of what what I do but you know they both they both work and uh you know for me teaching them you know a little responsibility and a little bit of a work ethic you know is isn't a bad thing at the same time it's a family affair and that's also fun too when you know you have so many family members involved in this event it 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 is fun and it's uh it's it's, it's cool to be able to do things with you, with your family and you know my sister, you know she does all the most of the business and the administrative part of it, and uh, you know we're we're very fortunate to do something that we enjoy doing. Well, let's talk about it because every year I feel like this uh, tour stop gets better and better. Maybe it's just because the quality of the bulls continue to uh, you just raise the bar every year. Not to mention the athletes themselves. The bull riders are in f- fantastic shape, and it just seems like the quality of what El Pasoans get a chance to see year in year out just improves every time. Well, it's funny because you you know you you kind of look at at it. Uh, you look at video, say ten years, and this is the same in most any sport. You know, you'll see something you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, and you just you see how we just evolve and get better. And and if we're not evolving and getting better, you know, there's something wrong. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you mentioned, the quality of bulls, uh, you know, is is unmatched. But you know, we we get to do little things. You know, just technology that that makes it. 
a, a better and a funner experience for, for, for everybody. No, I mentioned Brady earlier. I know you're a huge sports fan, especially football as well. Um, has bull riding ever had a Tom Brady where you have this rider who uh, defies logic and instead of retiring at a normal age like everybody else, just keeps going and going and somehow finds a way to, to compete at that top level well into their 40s? Well, there is a, you know, a legendary guy who... Uh, you know, rode in the in the in the sixties and the seventies, and his his name was Freckles Brown, and he rode a bull called Tornado when he was like forty three years old, which is, you know, forty three as a bull rider is be like Brady probably play until he's fifty three. Yeah, uh, it just it just doesn't happen. But but you've got a you've got a few guys uh, that that you know even even now that they're still competing. Uh, you know, in, into their forties, but the only ones I that that I really know of are you know they're Brazilians, and they're, they're those guys are wired a little bit different, and um, but but physically they they stay in sh- typically in better shape than a lot of guys, mm-hmm. and so there's there's a few of those guys, but you just don't see. I mean, in in reality, when you're 28 or 29 riding bulls, you're you're just on the verge of being done more times than not. Yeah. It just it's just such a sport of youth because the you know the the toll that it takes on not not just on your body but you know to be to be mentally, you know, sound and 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 well getting on, you know, the number of bulls you have to get on day in and day out. It after a while, you know, it just be, it, it just becomes can become such a grind for for most guys, and more times than not, you know, guys give out mentally before they do physically. Is that also why a lot of uh, bull riders nowadays will wear like protective headgear versus the way they never did years ago? Because concussions and things like that has become such a thing in sports, where even in bull riding, you know, the the, the riders want to protect themselves. Well, you know, it, it, you know, people would say, you know, well, you didn't wear a helmet, you didn't do this. Well, it's like saying, well, they. Guys in the in the seventies didn't wear helmets in in hockey, yeah. you know, and so now when they started wearing them, it, they were viewed as guys were oh well they're not as tough and strong. But trust me, anything that I could have ever done to protect myself, I, I would have because it's it's so dangerous. But there's very few things you really can do to protect yourself when you're riding bulls because just the the nature of the, the the sport itself. A guy weighs 150, 70 pounds. Yeah. The bull's going to weigh fifteen hundred pounds. Just that in itself, the, the odds aren't 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 good. You know, something potentially can can bad can happen every time. Tough Heedman with us here on Sports Talk. I'm happy you mentioned the hockey helmet rule because it's true. Matter of fact, when the NHL. Um, instituted helmets for all their players they grandfathered certain players that debuted before a certain time where they didn't have to wear a helmet and i think craig mctavish was the last nhl player to not wear a helmet and he played into the mid 90s and he had a big uh curly head and would always be skating around with no helmet on and you know you're talking about the nhl even in the 90s there were still players that didn't want to wear a helmet because that's what they were used to uh when they came up in the league and and i I will say when you when you grow up and or when you're learning something a sport you know and you've done it for so many years the slightest change in something it has an effect. I'll, I'll never forget. You know, the reason I, I didn't wear a helmet, because 
at the time they didn't have them, and when they started coming out, they didn't really have one that that my my doctors felt like could or should wear because I had neck issues. So mm-hmm. they didn't have one that they felt was light enough because I had a real severe case of stenosis that blew out a couple of discs. And they thought putting a, a helmet on that was too heavy would put m- more stress on, on my on my neck and spine that could be more detrimental, you know, risk having a more severe neck injury without it. But um, even going back to where that's if – you, if you learn how to do something with a helmet and then, or without a helmet and then you have to put it on, everything seems different. Every guy I, that I watched that was my age, my generation, that put a helmet on after riding forever without one – they just weren't the same. They weren't. They weren't as good. I remember the doctor. Uh, they told me I need to start wearing a mouthpiece, and I was getting on a bull. I'm at the national finals, and you know, pulling my rope, and all, all I could feel was this something. Something in my mouth was just such a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's like this shouldn't be here. So I just, I mean, literally, I just took it, took it out of my mouth and threw it down. I never put it back in because. It was just something foreign. It was taking away from me focusing what it, on what I was about to do, which was was ride. And so I un- I understand that. The tour uh, tomorrow night, uh, eight till ten o'clock, will be out at the Coliseum. You got the pre party going as well. The tailgate down pre- uh, free pre party from five to seven thirty. Brian Mars Band will be there live outside the Coliseum parking lot. Then the event from eight to ten, and the after party at Whiskey Dick's uh, Bar and Nightclub on George Dieter. So it's a big night tomorrow for for bull riding fans and for you. Um, Whenever we talk, we always talk about international riders that you get for this particular stop. Some from Mexico that mm-hmm. come and they and they want to compete and and do well. And it seems like they've always fared very well when a lot of the international riders uh, join the circuit for this event. You know, exactly. You know, we always you know, be a guy. You know, we've got a guy from Brazil. We got we've got a kid from Australia that just came from the national finals. His name's Kai Hamilton. He ended up. Actually, third last year after you know uh, competing in Las Vegas, so just a a great talent can re- can really ride. And uh, you know we've got a you know the the number one guy in the world right now is named Trey Holston. He just came from 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 Las Vegas. Uh, it's having a phenomenal year. He'll be here. So we've got a uh, great lineup of guys. You know, one kid is named John Cramber, and his father was Paulo Cramber. Who's a Brazilian. His father was from Brazil, you know, moved over here, and he was born uh, in the States, but he just 18. He won the National High School Championship two years in a row, never been done in the history of high school road. He won it two years in a row. And this kid, if if he can stay healthy, uh, I, I, he, he, he's, he's one of those guys that don't come along very often. That yeah. I, I could wouldn't be surprised – Five years from now that, oh, yeah, he, he's won three or four world championships. He's that good. Tell me about what happened a couple of weeks ago. You have an 18-year-old, Caden Loud in Hobbs, who ended up winning also the average title at that event. 18 years old. Tom. 18, yeah. And, and that's what, you know, in this sport, 18 is, it might seem a little bit young, but really that's 20, 21, you're in your prime. And... uh and another another kid, you know, he just 
came from a small town in East Texas. Nobody ever hears him. He just shows up, and he's just a, an amazing talent. That's terrific. As far as the Bulls go, I'm sure that the Bulls are as, spectac- as spectacular the, the Bulls as the Riders. Are, the, the Bulls are, are so much better now than they were you know, when I was competing. You know, I, always, I always laugh at people my age that always – they always like to look back and like, oh, these 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 kids, they're not as you know, they're you see it in a lot of sports. Well, these kids they're just not as tough as we were and they're not as gritty as we were, but these these kids are. And you know, the they get on tougher bulls day in and day day out than than we ever did. Just because now there are there's always been great bulls in the history of bull riding. But now they're all great. Yep. You know. Are the unsung heroes of this event tomorrow, and every event for you, the guys that are responsible to try and keep the bull and calm them down when the rider falls off, and you always have a few guys in cowboy hats whose job it is is to try to just get that bull under control. Nobody knows their names. Nobody knows anything about them. But that's got to be one of the toughest jobs around in this tour. Well, they're the ones that... You know they're they, they call them lifesavers and they, and and they really are and their job is, you know, to distract the bull to give the rider a chance to get away and if if someone gets hit, you know, it, it's them. You know they're the, you know they're the, you know, the 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 guys that surround the secret service that surround the president. Yeah. You know somebody's gonna get shot. It's gonna be them. Well that's that's what these guys do. So there's no way that I would have been able to have the career that I had without the protection of those guys because they're the ones that keep you keep you healthy. It's going to be nonstop action tomorrow. If you've never been out to a tough heat in bull riding event, you got to check it out. It's 8 to 10. And like I said, there's going to be great bull riders, incredible uh, athletes across the board, nonstop entertainment for two hours. Uh, before I let you go, Super Bowl 57, Eagles, Chiefs, uh, who do you think is going to win it all? I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. I'm a, I'm a big Mahomes fan. I am, too. And I like Andy Reid, and I think that when you look at coaches these days, again, he's got a great situation in Kansas City when you've, when you've got uh, Mahomes every single year, but it's a really fun team to watch. But people are still looking at the Eagles and thinking, you know, they haven't really been given all the credit, even though they've been the number one seed all season long. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times Super Bowl, you know, isn't as good as it, people want it to be or – should be. I think it's going to be a great game, actually. Last question. Cowboys fan, do you think Dak is still the guy that can take the Cowboys eventually uh, to this game? I love Dak. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Dak fan. I think he works hard. I think he's a great guy. I just don't think he's good enough. Don't worry. You and, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful yeah. to him at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't. I, I just don't. I, and I said this. But at the start of last season, I told you know my son it's the yeah. same thing. I said, you know, on paper they they should go all the way. I said, I just don't think the guy's good enough. All right. And I hate to I hate to say that because I like him because I think he's a really good guy and I think he's very genuine. I know he works hard and. Uh, you know, I just don't think he's the guy. Well, there's the it factor, and you either have it or you don't, and I understand. Yeah. And he's got it to a certain point, but you got to be able to get that next step. When it's uh, – you have to be able to do it at the, at the most critical and important time, and, uh, you know, that's what separates a guy like him from a guy like Brady. And you, of all people, know that, especially in your sport with bull riding. Tough, always great to see you. Thanks for the time, and uh, look forward to another big event tomorrow night. 
Thanks for having me. Always great to see you, my friend. Tough Hedeman, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with more in a moment as we head uh, to the finish line. 600 ESPN El Paso. Didn't like when he wanted the extension recently with Brooklyn. Uh, and he has indifferences, quote-unquote, like Sham Sharani is saying with the front office of Brooklyn right now. So now it's up to the Mavs, Lakers, and Suns. Who's going to get him? That's, again, that's interesting. Um, how about this? How about the fact that we found out earlier today, Texas, Oklahoma, and the Big 12 reached an exit agreement to leave the Big 12 early and join the SEC in 2024. However, because ESPN and Fox were not satisfied with the overall deal, that is why it has not been completed just yet, and they want to wait until 2025 to get them out into the SEC. Yeah, it seems like the talks of them leaving after, uh, you know, the, or to start the 2024 seasons are fizzling. We talked about this yesterday, which is so odd. This news broke today, and mm-hmm. we thought, oh, it's a given. And when I'm looking up uh, stories about it, oh, Oklahoma, Texas heading uh, to the SEC in 2024. Well, those talks fizzled out. Nothing was inked. Uh, nothing was signed. And even though they wanted to, even though that was their intentions, and maybe some, uh, you know, some momentum happened in December, for them to leave a little early, that's not going to be the case. No, it's not. Not at all. Not at all. It's an interesting story, for sure, and definitely one that uh, we will keep an eye on as we continue here on Sports Talk 28 past the hour. Um, We need to give out some awards from last night. Our hot hand of the game from Wind Supply of El Paso, not to mention our player of the game from Keats Southwest. Start first with our hot hand of the game last night, Adrian. We wanted to so badly to give it to Derek Hamilton because off the bench in the first half, uh, he poured four points in in three minutes, but the, uh, we couldn't give it to him, unfortunately. We had, we had to give it to Tay Hardy because despite the, the late turnovers, the missed shots in the end of that game, he was red hot in the second half. 13 points, 5 of 10 scoring in the second half alone. He scored 13 of his 21 points in the second half to help bring back the Miners uh, in a game. And they were down by as much as 11 points in the second half, so they needed Tay Hardy to be their hot hand. All right, our hot hand brought to you by Wind Supply of El Paso. When it comes to choosing an HVAC system supplier, the choice is simple. Wind Supply has been providing high-quality furnace and air conditioner parts to contractors since 1956. Now, Wind Supply El Paso has brought that same commitment and service to your backyard. In fact, they've got a 32,000-square-foot warehouse here in El Paso to make them your uh, HVAC system supplier. All you need to do is call 859-3817 or go online to windsupplyelpaso.com. How about our player of the game? This one's going to Calvin Solomon from last night. 13 points, 6 rebounds, uh, He's and just one turnover. I think Calvin Solomon's playing some really quality minutes for the Miners. Uh, I love what he does defensively. I think that's where his strong point really is with this team. He chipped in with a block and a steal. Uh, not the greatest stats defensively, but you, you don't need to see the stats. He just does it with uh, the defensive practice that he brings uh you know one of the big issues that UTEP had yesterday was defending the paint but I I felt like Calvin Solomon was uh, the main guy for them yesterday all right our player of the game is brought to you by Keats Southwest you know um during the metal stamping process which is what Keats specializes in blanks or coils of sheet metal feed through one or more die and tool sets and these die and tool sets form and cut the sheet metal into its desired shape at Keats They perform a variety of custom metal stamping operations, including blanketing, uh, bending, punching, coining, drawing, embossing, piercing, curling. Um, It's all happening with Keats Southwest. You want to learn more, go online to KeatsSW.
Sportscenter.com. All right, Adrian standing by with SportsCenter. When we come back, I want to talk about the UTEP men's team because I know fans are down on Joe Golding. I know that. But I also think that we need to really paint the entire picture of the team that's built versus the team that could be built in future seasons. We'll do that in a moment right after Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much as we continue here on Sports Talk 33 now past the hour. All right, uh, let's talk for a minute about this team because, first off, if you had to gauge the reaction that you're getting after each of these losses from fans on the phones and on Twitter, how would you best characterize it on Minor Talk presented by the Oscarietta Allstate Agency? I would always say the fan base is uh, completely split, So, and, and that's usually season after season. I would say this year, uh, disappointment has been the word that is used mostly by the, the frustrated fans who just get let down in late-game situations. And for those fans who are thinking negatively, what they're doing to, to us right now is they're bringing up Jerome Tang, who right now is one of the most successful coaches across college basketball and interviewed for the head coaching vacancy mm-hmm. at UTEP. Uh, they're also referencing Chris Jans, who left New Mexico State last year to take a SEC job at Mississippi State. So they are referencing all these d- different things to us right now. And the positive fans will say they're going to ride and die with Joe Golding no matter what, and they believe in the long haul with this team and you know the bigger picture with this group. All right, I want to talk about the negative fans more than anything else than the positive fans. Because here's the thing that I don't think people are realizing, okay? Number one, is Jerome Tang having a great first year at K-State? Absolutely he is. He's been terrific. Does Jerome Tang have NIL dollars to spend on building a roster? You better believe he does. Huge dollars. The Big 12 is a loaded conference. He probably has easily six figures in per in players forget like you know um just a combined budget he probably is spending over six figures on one player to be there on his roster to put the nil deals together okay we saw that from bryson williams we know what tech spent for him and now this is the norm in college basketball so when you go up in a power conference and you need players and you're able to use nil dollars to buy players it makes a world of difference Jans was having a terrific non-conference start. Top 25, looking great. When he went to the SEC, he has had a much tougher time uh, winning basketball games. They did win uh, against TCU last weekend, which is a big win for them, but they've really struggled in the SEC, and Mississippi State uh, might not make the NCAA tournament. And by the way, Chris Jans needs more NIL dollars to buy players to win. And by the way, the fact that I'm saying buy players sounds so wrong. It is everything that is wrong with college sports, but that's the new reality, okay? When you're talking about college ball players, you have to talk about buying players because that's the that's that is the reality. Even in Conference USA, just about every team has been able to spend NIL dollars on players. With the exception of Joe Golding, okay? Very important that El Paso understands this, because I don't know if they do. Joe Golding built this team with no NIL money, okay? The minor collective that has been formed since is going to change that for next season. He will have resources. He will have the opportunity to do things he couldn't do this time around. But you got to realize something, okay? You get what you pay for. When you put a team together, 
with no dollars. There's going to be limitations, and there's going to be things they can't do. Unfortunately, this team can't score. Now, they scored yesterday, but more often than not, they have a hard time offensively. They just do. That is the end. That is the absolute truth. Um, there'll be some games like yesterday. They will score, but they had a hard time, a hard time playing defense. They turn the ball over too much, and they lose basketball games. Um, I do believe that this team, Adrian, they are getting everything out of this group that they possibly can. Okay, unlike a few seasons ago when they were 500 with Sule Boom and Bryson Williams and Keontae Kennedy and Jamal Biennemi. And I kept thinking, how can you have a team like this and only be about 500? They should be at the top of Conference USA, not in the middle of the pack. Um, this group different. I, I see it differently. I believe that Joe Golding and staff are trying. It's like, a, it's, it's like um, an orange. They're squeezing every last drop out of this orange that they possibly can. I don't believe that they're leaving a lot on the table with these ball players. Now, whether they get better or worse, that's besides the point. I do believe that every time I watch these guys play, they're giving you everything they have. They're, they're nonstop. They don't quit. They run out of gas. They have their limitations. But I feel like this team maxes it out every single time. But this team was not an NIL team. He did not spend NIL dollars putting this team together. Others in Conference USA did. Most in college basketball are now doing it. That will change for the minors next year. But because of that, I am not as down on Joe Golding as others. If this is a year from now and he spent money on big players and they're still doing the same thing, I'll change my tune. But for now, I, I don't feel that way. I saw what he did last year, and I realized that he's one or two or three really talented players away from being right back at the top of the conference. I think everybody can agree, there's no no doubt about it, that this team is exerting all of its efforts, all of their energy on the court. And I mean, by the end of it, you just see how gassed they are in, in these contests because they're really going at it, uh, giving it 110% at night in, night out. I think the one thing that we can hold this coaching staff accountable, because we cannot fault them for not, in the recruiting process, we cannot fault them for not landing some of the names that we saw um, them host when they didn't have NIL resources. We Correct. Cannot, we cannot fault them, but we can fault them or hold them accountable in the philosophy in which how they built this team. And, and what I'm saying by that is they got a lot of defensive specialists. They got a lot of guys who uh, play some exceptional and ha have uh, track proven risk, uh, history mm -hmm. of playing exceptional defense, but none of these guys are proven scorers and, or I would say proven shooters. It, some of them have average points, but there's uh, guys who've averaged good points on bad teams. And I think there's something to say about having quality shooting percentages on good quality teams. Sure. And I think that that's that next step is how do you get shooters how do you get guys who can be proven scorers for you in the future and uh maybe even teach them defense maybe they lack something defensively but if you're joe golding right now who's one of the best defensive coaches we see in conference usa <laughs> trust that and teach the shooters how to play defense you can coach defense you can't coach offense no you either can't. have it or you don't as simple as that yeah, I'm looking at, I'll give you a great example, Mario McKinney. I don't want to be hard on him, but I just expected so much more out of him this year. And I, you look at what he's done in conference play, he is shooting under 40% from the floor, and he's shooting less than uh, 10% from beyond three-point range. He is two for 24 at three-point range. He can't shoot the basketball. No. Now, I'll say this. 
He's the best drive and finisher to the hoop they have. And I would wish that 80% of his offense would come from attacking the basket. Because when McKinney shoots the basketball, um, it's not pretty. But he can. But I will say that when he when he attacks the rim, he is he's able to finish better than anybody on the team. Yeah, I think Sal Sal was saying this yesterday on Minor Talk. But it's kind of like every every single player on this team just needs one more attribute to them in order to be uh, like a, an elite or a good player, a great player. Yeah. Like you could say, Calvin Solomon just needs to uh, hone in on his skills and not be so scattered at times and turn over the ball. And for Tay Hardy, you want his decision making to be just just a little bit better because if he can improve that, then he's better in late-game situations, kind of like we saw yesterday. But I'll say this, okay? Great players make everybody around them better. They do. And if UTEP can go out and find themselves, you know, two or three really great players for next season, everybody around them will improve. That's just how it works. You, You get better with better players around you. I don't also want to see a complete roster overhaul. I think it's important to have some continuity, even though you might not have a lot of diamonds on this team. I think mm-hmm. it's important to have some of these guys here next year. And to your point, I, I think it's uh, when you look at next year's team and you try to recruit your your uh, nucleus, I think it's important to have some of your guys return back for next season. I don't know how many are going to be recruited away from UTEP. I think there'll be plenty of players that might decide that they want to change the scenery and go someplace else. But I don't know, uh, you know, how many like like this past year. You lost guys that were going to high major programs. I, you're not going to see that this time around. No, they'll probably uh, if they decide to leave, they'll probably go to some other mid major program exactly. or a, a mid major conference or something like that. I also would not be surprised if UTEP got more New Mexico State players. I mean, knowing that they they just got uh, an exceptional one in Mario McKinney that season over there for the Aggies is teetering right now. Yep. So those those players could be looking to to get out of there. It's a possibility. You never know. All right, 17 in front of 7. We'll wrap it up next here. Sports Talk, 600 ESPN El Paso.